The Jericho Network on Westwood One. This is One on One with Mitch LaFond, the podcast where the rockers talk, part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. Now, here's your host, Mitch LaFond. Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFond. And joining me on this episode, it is former great white singer Jack Russell, of course, now fronting Jack Russell's great white. We talk about the new album, He Saw It Coming, out on Frontiers Records, and a lot more. Why waste time? Let's just get right into this. But first, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch LaFond. There you go. Keep it nice and simple. Here is the one, the only, Jack Russell. We are speaking with Jack Russell, of course, of Jack Russell's Great White. And uh, you've got He Saw It Coming, coming out on Frontiers Records. In fact, out today, quite frankly. Um, Right, right. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, the new album. So we'll start right there. It's it's been a while since sort of the last uh, the last one. Um, what were you trying to say with this one? You know, this was really um, a collection of songs. Um, it's just kind of like uh, a snapshot of where I am right now in my life. And you know, um, the title track is speaks about, you know, the pivotal, the most pivotal moment in my life. And that was the day when I was six years old. I'd wanted to be an archaeologist and until my parents bought me the Beatles help album for my sixth birthday. I put it on. It was nothing short of the sky coming open and angels coming down. I just knew at that point my destiny. I knew I was going to be a rock star. I knew it. Didn't think, wish, hope, dream. I knew it. And it was it was so much to digest, you know, for a six-year-old kid, you know what I mean? And I just remember jumping up and down in my bed saying, help, I need somebody. Literally, I know how much help I was really going to need, you know? But um, I just, I just, I watched my life take turns after that that would lead me to where I needed to be. It was really weird. We moved to uh, Whittier, and then there was a guy behind me playing guitar one day, and you know, so I walked around that corner. I walked around the street, and um, I knocked on the garage and said, "Hey, man, you really play good." And he goes, "Oh, thanks." I go, "Yeah, I sing." He goes, "Really?" I said, "Go, yeah." I was 11 years old. And he was like freshman in high school, and um, he goes, "Well, I got a mic. We're hooking my amp." I go, "All right." So we started playing together, you know, Bowie songs and whatnot. And um, I go, "Hey, we should start a band." He goes, "Okay, cool." You knew some people from high school. And uh, we got together and started a band, you know, and then that led to another band, led to another band. And eventually in 90, I'm sorry, in 1978, I uh, was introduced to Mark Kendall. And we were, you know, he was looking for a singer and I was in another band already. And, you know, he showed me some original stuff and I said, awesome, you quit your band, I'll quit my band, we'll start our own. And, you know, Great White was born in 1982 from the band Dante Fox. So it's, uh, you know, that's the beginning of it all in, in Breeders' Digest form. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're moving forward. Um, in terms of the band, you've had a couple of guys come in and go, and now you've got Tony in there. Is this sort of the lineup going forward? This is. This is the lineup. This is the band I was waiting to happen. This is why I hadn't recorded earlier. I knew it wasn't right, you know, and I said to myself, until it's right, I'm not going to record. You know, so I waited and waited and waited, and we got our new bass player in, um, Dan McNay. And after that, I went, okay, 
now this is a band. And I said, okay, guys, uh, let's get a record deal and let's start recording. So my manager did what I asked him to do. And, you know, we uh, put ourselves in the studio and Robbie's studio at his house and, you know, recorded the record. And um, Robbie and I produced it and, you know, wrote most of the material. And then, you know, then we had someone else mix it. And uh, I'm really happy with the record. I've never, I don't think I've ever done anything as good as this. Yeah, it really is. I, a, that's, a, my, that's my truth. Yeah, I, I agree. It really is a stand-up, stand-up record. Now, in terms of touring, you've done a lot of shows in the States over the last few years. Um, not so much in outside territories. I know in Canada, a couple of the clubs here, we've been, we've been, they've been trying to get you. Uh, do you think the tour this year will be more, or how about this? Will you be coming to Canada? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's it's um, it's um, so hard to get in there sometimes, especially when you're me, you know what I mean? And you have a criminal past, you know? Um, so it, it takes a little grease in the wheels. But, uh, yeah, we plan on it. We actually, we just signed with a, an overseas agent, um, you know, so we can start doing more stuff abroad. Yeah, because we haven't been overseas yet, you know. I mean, but this is a year to actually, when the shirt says world tour, you actually do the world tour, you know, not just the world is the United States, you know. So yeah, I, I love Canada. I've always loved it, and you know, I, I love Toronto, and I love you know Vancouver. I just and everywhere in between, you know. I remember playing up in Halifax in Nova Scotia. It was the coldest place I've ever been. <laughs> but it was beautiful, you know. Yeah, yeah that's the, that's the, the thing about Canada. Is incredible. We have some of the greatest panoramas and scenery, but it requires two or three jackets to sort of, to sort of enjoy them. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, let, let's talk about your your health just a little bit. It, it's been an issue. You, of course, sure. you had the perforated bowel. You've you you know you had, and you said it yourself. You were in a coma from drinking too much last year. How are we doing in terms of health? You know, I've had two heart surgeries, the last one two years ago, and I've, I'm at 110%. How about you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually doing really well. My only issue, well, you know, I'm four inches shorter than I was because of degenerative disc disease. You know, that's all on my back. And, you know, that's my biggest complaint. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, I'm always in pain, just always in pain and I walk with a cane because of my um, when I shattered my femur on stage you know I don't need one on stage I can walk without one but you know it's just it's really painful you know and and I don't want to wear one of those shoes with the big the sole on the bottom you know I I tried that it's just I just couldn't get over the way how funny it looked you know I'm like I can't do this I feel like Frankenstein you know on one leg you know so I, I, I opted out of that. Um, but otherwise, uh, I, I feel really good. You know, I've been sober for almost a year and a half and, you know, I'm not going to go back to that because I, I can't. The doctor told me, you know, in certain terms that you will die if you drink again the way I drink. And, you know, I'll, I will always drink the way I drank if I drink again. And so it, that would be like playing Russian roulette with six bullets. And that's not something I'm prepared to do. So, you know, that's one um, hurdle, you know, gotten over. And, I'm, you know, otherwise I'm doing really good. You know, my, my heart's in good shape. They tell me, you know, everything else is working okay. So, you know, um, 
other than having some pain, I'm I'm good. Well, okay, so so if I may, with the sobriety, because that has been an issue over the last ten or fifteen oh, yeah. years, where it came in because you've been sober before. Um, yeah. So what is sort of the the game plan to ensure that you stay sober? And of course, I hope wholeheartedly that you stay sober because we we love to have jack russell around and we love jack russell when he's in top shape um tell me a little bit about that struggle because i mean it must be a struggle every day there's temptations at all these clubs right no you know what now mitch i'll be honest with you now i it is just like it'd be like me picking up a cobra i mean i I know i'm gonna die if i drink i mean the doctor didn't tell me that just to joking around you know i mean he made it he made it it was very emphatic he goes look i heard you some kind of sort of celebrity he goes you know <clears throat> he's lots of well and good because i really don't know who you are and i don't really care i'm just here to take care of you and because i've got to tell you you know your wife told me how you drink and if you drink again you will die because i'm not exaggerating you know what i mean i'm not saying you might you know i'm saying you will your liver will not take one more run the way you drink and i'm not going to change the way i drink if i drink one beer i'm going to drink a million you know um so it, it, to me it's like i'm not going to s- stick my hand in a nest of cobras you know what i mean uh, i'm not going to walk in front of a bus i'm not going to play rush with six bullets you know i'm not going to kill myself knowingly like okay i know i'm going to do this i'm going to die so give me a drink and to me that's just in more than insane you know what i mean <laughs> You know, drinking as an alcoholic is insanity anyway. I mean, they tell you in AA, they tell you, you know, so you've got three roads that's going to lead you to, you know, insane, jails, institutions, or death. You yeah. know, and that's what's going to happen. And I won't make it to jail. I won't make it to an institution. I'll die. So I take that very seriously. You know, like I'm sure somebody tells you, you know, don't do a bunch of speed. You know what I mean? You know, with a heart condition. I'm sure well, that would be a really smart thing to do, right? You know? Well, they, in fact, they say try to avoid coffee, quite, quite frankly, which, right. is, which is hard to yeah. do. But, uh, I know. I mean, you know, my bane's been cigarettes I mean, my whole life. I, I just, uh, um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm weaning myself down to where I can finally get rid of those stinking things, you know? Yeah, you, yeah, you got to get rid of those. Um, Today, as we speak, is actually marks the anniversary of White Snake's "Slided In" album, and of course, you had hit mm. over. Yeah, isn't that isn't that great? It's uh, what does that yeah, make that it now? Yeah, it is great. Nineteen eighty-four, I think it was. So, so it makes it. Yeah, it was eighty. 30, it was eighty-four. So thirty-three years ago, the Judas Priest show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, so, but you were guys were part of that tour you opened up for the band right in in the UK. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Take me back to that time. And just sort of starting in, I don't want to say you were starting in the business, but it was still early in the career. What was it like opening for Whitesnake? What were those sort of those times like, that early time out there in the UK? God, it was amazing because we had never been overseas, you know, and then let alone to be playing with uh, Whitesnake, with David Coverdale and John Lord and Cozy Powell, Neil Murray and... John and, Sykes, um, eventually. John Sykes, yeah, you know, and uh, Mel Galley. I mean, those yeah. guys were just a great, great band. You know, they were amazing. I remember sitting in the hotels, like these really old, cool cottage hotels with a piano bar, you know, and I remember sitting with John Lord one night and 
he's at the piano, I'm sitting next to him, I'm singing all these Deep Purple songs, like Sweet Child in Time. He's going, God, you're singing that so well, brother. And I go, thanks. And uh, it was just amazing. I mean, David was cool. Me and John, I remember me and John Sykes and my drummer, Gary Holland, we were sneaking around this one hotel that was supposed to be a Honda Castle, you know. And um, it was just cool where we found all these secret doors and stuff, and we're climbing through all these nooks and crannies. We end up on the roof. And it was amazing. We saw the battlements up there, and it was just, uh, it was amazing. It was so much fun with those guys. And, you know, playing like at Leeds and places like the Glasgow Apollo, you know, where every, the same boards were there that, you know, Led Zeppelin played on, and all these bands that, you know, this is the same wood, man. You know, I'm stepping on the same wood as royalty, you know. Yeah, and, uh, it was it was quite amazing. It's one of those things. Now, you know, when you're on a tour like that and you've got David Coverdale in front of you, who, of course, had done uh, Deep Purple and all that other... Did you learn anything from him? I mean, did you did you sit and study him, or was it that, that's not part of the game? It was just let's get you know drunk, whatever, and do our shows. Or did you take the moment and say, "Man, look at that"? No, yeah, I definitely sucked it in. I never drank on the road. Okay, never until you know later on in my career when my alcoholism got really, really bad, and you know I had had back surgeries and I was you know I was just messed up on pain pills, but that I had to take for the pain. But of course. You know, being the addict that I am, you know, uh, I'm supposed to take two. I'm going to take it until the pain's completely gone. I'm like taking 14 Norcos twice a day, and plus Xanax and housing and, you know, all this other stuff. You know, and it was just, I was just wasted all the time. I mean, but, you know, in the earlier days before, um, you know, before the mid-2000s, you know, I would, uh, before a tour, I would quit smoking two weeks before the tour and I'd quit drinking and I'd be sober for the whole tour, you know? And, um, you know, and that's just how it was. Cause I wanted my voice to be as good as possible and alcohol and all that kind of stuff does not do the voice very much very, any good. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, so, no, well, neither does smoking by the way. So. <laughs> no, I know, you know, I, I, fortunately my voice, you know, s- still sounds great, you know, and, and I know it's on loan. So, you know, I, I, that's the one thing I got to stop and I promised myself I would do it this weekend. So I got to keep that one, you know? Yeah, we'll get to it now. And, um, so, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I did, you know, watch a lot of their shows and, you know, I was just amazed, you know, uh, it was just, it was like rock and roll royalty. You know I mean, you, you got John Lord up there, you know, rolling back and forth his B3, you know, and wow, it was just nuts. It was so cool. Yeah, and then, of course, right after that, you roll into, um, what was it? The, Judas Priest. The, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. Defenders I mean, of the Faith, yeah. Jesus sold Christ. out arenas everywhere. And that, but those one, those that was Canada and, and, and United States. That wasn't overseas. That was here. No, it was Canada and the States, exactly. Okay, so... So there, there's another one. I mean, Jesus Christ, now you're opening up for, for Rob Halford. <laughs> is, is there, and I'm just sort of going here, but is there any kind of nervousness? Like, oh, my God, first I got to match up with David Coverdale's voice. Now I'm going on this tour, and I got to match up with Rob Halford's voice. Uh, voice. Um, th- was there any, like, nervousness? Like, what am I doing here? No. <laughs> no, okay. Not at all. Not at all. I've... You know, I, I've never been afraid of anybody as far as, like, competition. I mean, I've never been worried about somebody being better than me. 
You know what I mean? It's not about that. It's about me being as good as I can be and me being better than I was the night before or, you know, than being better on the new record than I was the last record. You know, that's what it's about. Because, I mean, everybody's got their own voice and it's not like one guy is better than the other guy. Either you like this guy or you like that guy or you like them both. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like it's like with David, like uh, David Lee Roth of Van Halen. You know, I mean, I never really liked David's voice that much, but you know, he had something about him that made him a great entertainer. You know, and I, I, you know, I do like his voice on the songs that he wrote. You know, and Sammy Hagar comes in, and you know, they should have changed it to Van Hagar because, quite frankly, it was a different band. You know, and and but still, I mean, Sammy's voice is great, but I wouldn't want to hear him sing "Ain't Talking About Love." You know, so it, it's, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't, I don't look at it as who's the better guy, you know what I mean? I mean, Sammy technically, and, and, and for every other reason, is a better singer than Dave, but, you know, Dave has his own sound, and he does the best he can with it, and it sounds good, you know? I mean, Van Halen wasn't Van Halen without him. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. Now, uh, it is 2017. As far as I, I mean, you're looking at about 40 years of career at this point, right? Uh, yeah. What has been sort of uh, the key to your success in, in terms of people staying interested and, and you staying in shape to do this? If you're if you're talking to a you know to the young kids, what are some of the best what is some of the best advice you can offer to 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 have a music career? Because there's a lot of one and done, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially nowadays, the public has such a short attention span because yep. of all the gadgetry and the internet and you know, it's not like it was, you know, where you, you know, it was like a ceremony to have a record, you know, I mean, you go through all this stuff, you know, and, um, nowadays everything is so fast and it's just disposable and, you know, it's like on to this, on to the next, you know, Hey, what's your favorite band today? <laughs> you know, it's, there's no, um, following people and there's no, uh, you know, it's like, how does a band tour if they've never been heard of? You know, that boggles my mind. The only advice I could give anybody is if you believe in something enough, you will make it happen. I mean, if you if you believe in it with every fiber of your being and you visualize it and you continue to do that, you can make anything happen. Yeah, it's you know, unbelievable. I know this for I know this from experience, and you know, and um, that just never give up. You know, I mean that's. It, it, as hard as it may seem, I mean, I tell you what, though, I would be a bit befuddled if I was in a new band, uh, what to do, you know, if we didn't have our core following already, you know, yeah. it was kind of like that in the nineties when everybody was out having babies, you know what I mean? We were going like, where'd our following go? You know what I mean? And, and then they all, the kids are all grown up and now it's time to go out and relive their high school days. And now the fans are all back. Plus their families and kids, you know what I mean? Yeah, they, so it's really cool. It's a good time for us, you know. But isn't it unbelievable to to think that you've been a professional singer for forty years now? I mean, Dante Fox seventy seven, right? So I mean, or or meeting Mark Kendall was seventy seven. Yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah, I was. Yeah, I know. God. See, there you go. That, that's your marketing angle. When you go out on tour this summer, it'll be the fortieth anniversary of Jack Russell as a. There you go. Pretty much, huh? Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. Well, I, you know, I started, it's funny because I started my first band when I was 11. Wow. You know? um, but, yeah. When you look back at the um, Great White discography, everybody seems to focus on either Once Bitten or Twice Shy. My favorite 
has always been hooked. And so I was just wondering if we could just look at hooked uh, a little bit in terms of what did the the album mean to the band? What did it mean to you? Sort of how did you put it together? What are some of your fondest memories? And do you like it? Do you think it's one? I, I really think it's one of your better albums, if not the best. Not to put down the other ones; they're 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 great. But but sure, man, hooked is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you know, it ha- yeah, it has some good tunes on it, man. You know, I think it was you know it was unfortunate because of that time. You know, the label was, you know, kind of like, you know, it was, uh, I think at that time they had changed presidents to uh, Hale Milgram and um, from uh, David Berman, who was a big fan of the band, you know, and Hale Milgram was a big Bonnie Raitt thing. He won Bonnie Raitt, Bonnie Raitt. So and he didn't want to really push some hand-me-down band, you know, and um, so consequently, they didn't really do too much to to promote the record you know so uh, you know we went from almost three million to you know like seven hundred fifty thousand or something like that um so you know we said then then the psycho city album which was an amazing record you know and 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 alan just you know was ridiculous about the spending on that one i mean we went to a house up in santa san inez and recorded there with a mobile truck and that's so he could continue his his affair with his girlfriend that lived up there. You know, we didn't know that until afterwards, but it's like, you know, you, you know, and, um, so, you know, the farther, you know, the more Hale Milgram, you know, we had our gold records mailed to us for hooked. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, that's okay. They don't care anymore. You know, I mean, but he did manage to, uh, take a picture of our double platinum. I mean, yeah, double platinum, but twice shy, you know, with him as if he had anything to do with it. It's just kind of funny, you know. At that point, Alan had alienated everybody at the record company and pissed them all off. And, um, you know, it was like we were done, you know. So it was, uh, but Hooked, yeah, Hooked, I mean, it was a great record, you know. It was a great record. It was, um, unfortunately, like I said, more people didn't get into it, I think. Well, maybe it was a lot to do at the beginning of the nineties and, and, you know, you had these other bands coming out. Um, you know, I think what happened with great white honestly is we came in too late. If our first album would have caught on, you know, but it didn't because the label, um, the, the vice president wanted to be the president. So he intentionally sabotaged the record and it, on the Judas Priest tour, it would go, go into record stores and nobody even knew who the band was, let alone have the record. So we ended up, now if that album would have done what it should have done, um, you know, we would have had all the 80s, you know, to, to become really big, you know. But we, we had our success in the, the, you know, the latter part of the 80s. So, you know, by the time grunge came in, we were, you know, just starting to pop, you know. And um, so, you know, it kind of took the steam out of the engine, so to speak, you know. Well, okay, so let me ask you about it, because every time I had seen Great White up until then, uh, you were always an opening band. Uh, what was You opened up for Alice Cooper, I believed, in 91. In Europe, yeah, in Canada, yeah, yeah, in yeah Can- we did. Yeah, that, and that's one of, the, one of the shows I saw. How come you weren't... How come you weren't able to get to that next level and be the headliner in the arena act? Because you know the music was great. Was it was it the image thing? Because uh, 
you know, you, you weren't you weren't hair metal. I mean, I don't care what people throw you in. You just weren't this hair metal band. You were a no, blues that, rock that's band. No, that's just a shortcut to thinking. I mean, yeah, and that's not um, what you were. Is that part of the no, reason? No, I think you know we did headline. I mean, we had we had a headline tour going, and Kiss asked us to come out with them. You know, and the money was ridiculous. So we said, okay, we'll go. But prior to that, we were doing a. a a headline tour, and we also headline with Tesla. You know, we'd flip flop back and forth. You know, I mean, and um, even though I mean, it was you know every night, you know, you, the T-shirt count would come in, and it was always way far above theirs. You know, but by all rights, we should have headlined, but you know, there was it wasn't going to be that. You know, there were there was too many egos involved, and then so we just said, look, let's we'll do the double header tour. You know which was Alan's idea, one of his better ones. And um, so, you know, we got out and, and we just sold out everywhere. You know, it was a great tour. It ended up being a really lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with those guys. Yeah, that's a, they're a great band, and they, and they fit there. Now, you know, you've mentioned Alan a couple of times, and I was going to stay away from Alan, but there seems to be some anger there, which, okay, whatever. But at the beginning, in the early 80s, you do have to give him his dues, right? I mean, he, he did sort of get the Absolutely. band. Absolutely. Okay. Sure okay. he did. Okay. Absolutely. He was integral in this band's success. You know okay. I mean? Absolutely. I mean, he taught me so much. Okay. You know, I learned a lot about from him about writing, and you know, I, and, you know, he was a great mentor, you know? And, um, you know, we, we've had our falling out, you know I mean? He's, uh, of course, the other guys have, you know, you know, gone back to him, and now they're all friends, all buddy-buddy. You know, I tried that. I extended the olive branch and I went down to his house and, you know, my wife and I, and it was just weird. I mean, it was weird, man. Uh, you know, it was, there was just a lot of strange stuff going on and I we had to leave. I go, we got to get out of here. I thought someone was going to get shot. Okay. You know, yeah. it was that crazy. So, you know, um, oh, whatever. That doesn't really mean anything to No, no, but, but, but <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know, even though you're not friends now, at that time, and we just mentioned that you have a forty-year career. If it wasn't for Alan, maybe that yeah. that statement wouldn't been wouldn't be true. So there is some kind of reverence to be paid. Oh, I, I guess. you know, I got to yeah. give him credit, sure. Okay. And I have no animosity against him at all. You know what I mean, I absolutely give him all the credit he deserves. He was great. I mean, he was a great songwriter, great lyricist. You know, he uh, added a lot to the band. I mean, and if it wasn't for Alan. You know, well, I don't know if we would uh, you know, ever got off square one. You know, yeah, yeah. So there you I go. mean, you know, he uh, he quit his job at the label that he was that he he worked at that he started Enigma because the two brothers didn't want to sign the band and he wanted to sign us, and they said no, and he quit. And the night we were supposed to sign the contracts, we went to his house and he goes, "I got some bad news." I go, "What?" He goes, "Oh, well, I I quit my job because I don't know what I'm gonna do now." I don't know what to do either. I go, why don't you manage us? He goes, I don't know a thing about managing. I go, you'll learn. He goes, all right, I'll do it. And he learned. He sure did learn, you know. And uh, he was a he was a really good manager for a long time, you know. And then uh, it just got to a point for me, you know. I I got tired of. I was sober eight years, and I got tired of somebody telling me what to do and what to say in magazines. I'm like, dude, I've been doing this long enough. You call me up and yell at me because of something I said in an interview. I'm done with this. You know, that was just a straw. You know, I but, just had enough. 
and I didn't really get into this, but I, but I'm sure that when he told you those things, it was well intentioned in terms of public face and public marketing. I don't think it was like you're a bad school. No, boy. it wasn't malicious. Right. No, it wasn't malicious. But I mean, I was just tired of being attacked. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and, right. and, you know, I just, you know, I knew I could do stuff on my own and I didn't want people handing me lyrics and, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, no, no. You know, I, I, you know, I write, I mean, I wrote a lot of the stuff, great white. I mean, I have more writing credits than anybody does, you know, so, so and, um, but you know, that's nothing to do with nothing, you know, but anyway. Yeah. So let's get back to, and let's finish this off here with, uh, he saw it coming. Yeah. Cause we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah. We're running out of time and, and I didn't want to go into any kind of uh, negativity. Not that it was, but yeah. I, I wanted to keep this as, as positive as possible um absolutely where where are we going from here in terms of your career or do you see yourself sort of like bb king and mick jagger and, and and doing this until you you know you fall off the stage and that's it or do you say okay i hope so okay so there's no like five more years and then we'll kick up our feet. no i'm not putting any limit on my career it's going to be you know my health is going to determine that you know, if I can't stand anymore or walk, you know, I mean, it's going to be, I won't be able to do what I do, you know? Okay. I mean, if I got to go do shows sitting on a stool, I'll do that, you know? But as long as I can, you know, get up onto a stage and, you know, the voice works, I plan on continuing because I just, this is what I do. This is who I am. And there's no, okay, so that's good to, as a fan, <laughs> that's good to hear because we, we need Jack Russell around and we need uh, thank all you, those guys brother. around. and. I will finish on this just saying, in terms of your voice, uh, that is the one thing that always attracted me to Great White. No, and you know what attracts me to Rat with Stephen Pierce? Just those unique voices that you just can't get anywhere else. You're, you're just not cookie cutter. And, and I love that about your voice, and I love that about Piercy, and I love that about Steven Tyler. And God, yeah. you know, God bless you. I mean, it's just wonderful. Thank you. He has. Many times over, you know. And uh, there you go. Always a pleasure, Jack. Thanks, Mitch. You too. And, and congratulations on all the good things that are happening to you. Yeah. You really deserve it, my friend. Thank you. And uh, we'll do this nice again soon. And let's get you Absolutely. up to Canada. Come on. Canada. All we right. can do Sounds this. Sounds good. You, you got it, Mitch. <laughs> Cheers. All right, brother. Bye-bye now. Cheers, man. And there you have it, folks. My interview with singer Jack Russell. The new album is He Saw It Coming. And it is a wonderful, wonderful new album. Please check that out also. Please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon. And uh, you know what? Just, just Google my name. You can sort of find me anywhere online. And there you go, folks. Uh, that's it. Bye for now. Thank you. Au revoir. Avidazane. Sayonara. Um, I guess i got to learn other ways to say goodbye in other languages, right? Um, cheers. Oh, my. <laughs> you got it, Mitch. Cheers. All right, brother. Bye-bye now. Cheers, man. And there you have it, folks, my interview with singer Jack Russell. The new album is He Saw It Coming, and it is a wonderful, wonderful new album. Please check that out also. Please check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon. And uh, you know what? Just, just Google my name. You can sort of find me anywhere online. And there you go, folks. Uh, that's it. Bye for now. Thank you. Au revoir. Avidazane. Sayonara. Um, I guess i got to learn other ways to say goodbye in other languages, right? Um, Cheers. Oh, my. <laughs>